You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 99 of Tax Talks. This is Heidi Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. What is goodwill? The tax world doesn't necessarily follow the accounting world on this one. Michael Walpole is a tax professor at UNSW and also their head of school at the UNSW School for Taxation and Business Law. Here's Michael about the taxation of goodwill. Right, Heiner, what I wanted to share with you this afternoon about goodwill is that people are probably now becoming aware that there is a case that is in the High Court. When I last looked, which was fairly recently, um, it's at the be- well, we're at the beginning of November now, it had not yet been handed down. And it's unclear to me what impact it's going to have, but I think it is going to have some impact on our understanding of what is goodwill. I'm sure for you, I don't need to go back and explain the importance of goodwill. It's you are just listening to Australia's tax news and podcast. We've got a situation in Australian tax law where we have a legal definition of goodwill handed down. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast. Made by the High tax Court Talks. Murray case in the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Which is very broad. And you are listening to Australia's tax wider. news podcast. Tax in terms talks, of its definition, the podcast for Australian it's tax professionals. Fair to say the accounting definition is so we've got a real tension here. Tax sits at the crossroads of economics, accounting, and law, and we've actually got one concept from law that's overriding the other disciplines that are part of tax. If you understand that and you know that, I guess as a tax person, that's fine. What is going to happen is that some aspects of that high court definition, for want of a better word, of goodwill being the attractive force of a business and every element of that attractive force are going to be slightly adjusted, I think. If I am understanding correctly the transcripts of the argument in the High Court, and the case was started out as Commissioner of State Revenue Western Australia against Placer Dome. Placer Dome is a mega-large Canadian gold mining company one of the biggest gold mining companies in the world. And it was taken over by Barrick Gold Mines, who are, uh, now they've taken them over, probably the biggest gold mining company in the world. And the case related to some gold mines and leases and land in Western Australia. Now, as you probably know, if an entity is land rich, in other words, its proportion of land is higher than a certain threshold. If the value of the land is higher than the value of all the other assets and to constitute more than a certain threshold. You pay stamp duty on, or you pay duty on an ad valorem rate on the value of the land. The Commissioner in Western Australia assessed the company to that on the basis that they exceeded the threshold. So it's $56 million worth of duty was at stake. Naturally, there was an argument and that went to court. It went initially to the Supreme Court in Western Australia and it's now gone to the High Court. So it went through the Western Australian Appeals Tribunal, then to the Supreme Court, and now to the High Court. Initially, the Appeals Tribunal upheld the Commissioner's view that a gold mine doesn't actually have any goodwill. You can't give a tribute goodwill to gold mines because gold is a commodity. It's not like another business. When you buy gold, you buy gold, and you buy it on an exchange. It's not like where you buy your clothes or where you buy even the newspaper. 
It's a generic commodity and there's no goodwill associated with that. However, in the Supreme Court, the company was able to argue successfully that some of the methods of valuation used by the commissioner were wrong and to argue successfully that this company did in fact have goodwill because it had acumen in exploration, it had processes in efficient extraction of gold, etc., etc. Now that's gone on appeal. The one valuation dimension that was dismissed in the Supreme Court was that the commissioner had attempted to value the company based on future earnings and where predictable earnings ran out, used gold futures as a measure of earnings and where those ran out, just inflated them by a certain percentage every year. And the Supreme Court said, no, no, gold futures are a financial instrument and they're not a realistic measure of the revenue you're going to earn from a particular gold mine. So that aspect was dismissed and the commissioner seems to have abandoned that line of argument anyway. But the question of whether there is goodwill in such an entity and what is goodwill for the purposes of a company, an operating entity like this, is still up for question. And there were some suggestions in some of the High Court transcript, the argument on this appeal, which suggested the High Court might be coming to the view that the Murray case went too far and that the Murray definition of goodwill had included in it every aspect of a going concern. And there's a hint, I think, that perhaps they will separate out the going concern value from the goodwill proper, if I add that word. And I'm now reading the tea leaves in a particular way. It was interesting to me to note that the Chief Justice, who was on this appeal in the High Court, obviously, was actually in the court below in the Murray case. So the Chief Justice actually seems to have some mature views on what is goodwill and and on aspects of Murray that might need cleaning up. So I'm looking forward very much to that decision, to reading it and seeing what we end up with. My prediction is, please don't put money on this, I'm not going to, is that we'll end up with a somewhat narrower definition of goodwill. The case was argued earlier this year and I'm kind of surprised that we haven't got a decision yet. I was expecting a decision sort of round about September, October, not on the basis of anything in particular that I know, but just looking at the timing of it. As I say, 1st of November, we don't seem to have anything. It may well be that uh, the High Court is putting a lot of thought into this and we might have an exciting decision to read when it comes down. Can't be long now. Placidome and Barrick Gold Mines against the Commissioner of State Revenue. Western Australia. In fact, it's the other way around. The, the commissioner is the appellant. Placerdome was the seller and Barrick was the buyer. Barrick bought out Placerdome in Australia. Who does it affect more, the seller or the buyer? A purchaser, a purchaser pays duty. I see. Okay, so it's really about Barrick, it's whether really Barrick has to pay yeah. stamp duty or and not. And has a $56 million tax bill to Western Australia. Yes. Plus interest. So what was the Murray case about? Was it also about a gold mine? Or oh, no, no. Mine? The, the Murray case was, in fact, an income tax case, and it wasn't about a gold mine at all. It was about a taxi. Ah, yes. There I'm was a, about yeah, this one. Yeah. Yes. So there was a sale. And they of, argued that there was goodwill involved. That selling their taxi business, I put that in quotes, was the sale of a business which entitled them to a 50% exemption 
from the capital gains tax on the goodwill component, which was in the old Section 160 ZZR of the Income Tax Act. That's all moved on a lot. Ever since, you know, since then, we've now got the 50% general discount and we've got special provisions for small business. But that argument about whether there was goodwill in that business or not is still good law. Yes, and it's a very prominent case. It, 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 it is. It, it pops it is. up in almost every yep. basic textbook. Yeah, and keeps on being referred to. The interesting thing is that the court didn't need to say anything about goodwill because it had decided that Mrs. Murray had not sold a business. She sold a plate and a taxi and a meter and the, the membership in a taxi cooperative. She sold all of those things. She never operated any of that machinery herself. There was a driver who rented it and the court dismissed the appeal simply on the basis that she wasn't in business. It was not the sale of a business. It was an asset sale. It was an asset sale. So they didn't need to go into whether there was goodwill or not, but they did. And they did, I think, because there had been a previous decision. I'm sorry, I'm now taking you deep into the I love it. <laughs> entrails of goodwill. There was a previous decision Krakos decision, which was another income tax case involving a liquor license in a hotel, which had, and this was, that was a decision of Justice Hill in the federal court, which had suggested that goodwill could consist of different parts and you could break up goodwill into parts and you could sell this site goodwill and you could sell that name goodwill and that it was divisible. And a lot of the thrust of Murray was goodwill is not divisible. It is one indivisible <coughs> whole and it is attached to a business rather than a discrete asset. Yes, and I think that was a very important point. It's inherently connected to the business. Yep, correct, correct. Now, Place at Home and Barrick, uh, I'm not sure which name of which company it will be reported in, but this recent High Court case, I don't think will shift that. They will still accept that Goodwill is an inherent part of the business and is inseparable from the business. What it will be about is what is included in the goodwill. How can goodwill for tax and accounting purposes be different? It really depends on how the other assets are valued and then the residual then that's, is goodwill. That's in accounting and this is where you have this funny little bit of magic. Where In Murray, now hold on to your seat because in Murray the High Court said a business can have goodwill even if you would not pay for it. Now, that's completely anathema to the accounting standards approach to goodwill, which is effectively it's a residual. It's the amount of value that cannot be attributed to identifiable assets. But in law, value is not a determinant of the existence of goodwill. It's a separate, it's a separate much more intangible thing than even value. It's almost as if it's the right to carry on a business in the way that it has been carried on before. The text world says you can be selling goodwill even if the buyer doesn't pay for it. Correct. Now, the tax outcome of that is probably a nothing because if you didn't pay anything for it, there's nothing to tax. When there's nothing to deduct. Yes, but it opens there. a little door through the market substitution rule. Yeah, possibly, and, and it does. Derivative from that is this idea of what's the value If you have paid something and you haven't allocated it, then what is the value, perhaps, of the goodwill? You mentioned before that the valuation method was wrong 
and that was with respect to predicting the future prices. Using gold futures, yeah. Using gold yeah, futures. Yeah, yeah. That, that dimension of the valuation, the, the Supreme Court was not happy with. And what they said, we, we're referring this back to the tribunal to decide it again, but on a different form of valuation. But the appeals kicked it up to the High Court, not back to the tribunal. The High Court might kick it back down to the tribunal. So it would be, it's good for the lawyers. There's a lot of litigation here, but there's a lot of money at stake. So you understand why these corporations will fight. Welcome back. We will talk about Placer Dome and Barrick Gold again once the High Court has issued its ruling. In the next episode, episode 100, Michael Walpole will talk about ethics and tax. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.